All right, well, get out your Bible, put it on, get it on your lap, get it on your app, whatever. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 through 24. And as I said, we're going to be talking about good intentions and integrity. And I, anytime I see a TV show or a movie where somebody says, I promise, I promise, I know immediately they're going to break the promise. They're right? going to lie. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and sometimes it's for good reason, but we can be that way in real life. If you've ever done that with your kids, like I promise... I'm going to be there. I'm going to do this. And then you don't follow through. They're like, but you promised. Uh, well, I know. But here's the thing. It's, it's critical that we are trustworthy, that we keep our word, that people can count on our word, especially when it comes to church leadership. Because if you do not see me as reliable or I'm wishy-washy, I, I don't mean what I say, then how are you going to believe anything I say, especially when it comes to, to God's word. So here's our big idea today is to make your words trustworthy. This section in 2 Corinthians, Paul is having to defend and explain his decision to change his plans. He had originally intended to come and visit the Corinthian church, but for good reason, we'll see, he decides to postpone it. Well, that gives an opening to his critics and apparently these false teachers that had infiltrated the church and were challenging his authority as an apostle of Christ. Apparently between 1 Corinthians and, and this, this second letter, this opposition had sharpened and they were, they were saying, look, you don't listen to Paul anymore because you can't believe what he says. So let's, let's get into what he says. So <laughs> 12 through 14 says, for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so towards you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus you will boast of us and we will boast of you. You know, growing up in a Christian home, I can remember my mom always teaching us to be humble. You know, the scripture says that we're supposed to be humble. Boasting seems like the exact opposite of humility. Yeah. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, it usually is, right? It, it, because when you boast, you're trying to seek praise you're trying to make yourself look good it's prideful but uh, sometimes boasting is necessary if it's for the right purpose and because here's what's going on these these critics of Paul's are trying to undercut his credibility and more is at stake than just his own reputation he's not just trying to make himself look good he's like he's in a he's in a authoritative teacher of Christ and if they're saying you can't believe what Paul says then you're going to cause all kinds of damage in that church right you take out the leader you take down the church so if you reject Paul then you're going to reject his message as well I mean you you ever had to defend yourself right where you've you've had to explain your intentions to people because they didn't understand and you want them to think rightly of you so you have to come out and say look here's what think about with your kids sometimes your kids will say you don't love me you don't care about me well you got to push back on that and show hey do you realize you know, what I've done for you what I've sacrificed for you I mean it sounds like boasting but they got to know you love them because you want them to love you and to listen to you and accept your discipline. So you've got to, to boast in a sense in that way. I think of pilots or doctors, right? I want them to boast about right. how much <laughs> experience they have, how many, they, they've got credibility because that gives me confidence in them. So I, I think about that in ministry is you want people to have confidence in us, right? When I was younger in ministry, 
I would hang my diplomas on my wall in the office and I felt kind of bad about that like oh I'm bragging uh, about these degrees but I was counseled like no people need to look at that no you know what you're talking about you know <laughs> you've got credibility now I haven't had them on my walls in years because I've been here long enough uh, hopefully people know my character and they 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 see my track record of my experience and all that but people need to know where we're coming from and that sometimes we get criticized unjustly and it's very painful to be misunderstood we, you've been through that too and we, look I don't want you may not agree with what I'm saying you may not even like what I'm doing but don't disparage my character don't don't malign my integrity you need to know uh, that I'm trying to do what's right trying to do what God says but as leaders I mean whether you're a leader at home leader at church leader at work you're to be held at a higher standard of, of integrity for being a leader no yeah, absolutely um, we should expect that we can't expect our leaders to be perfect but we expect them to be setting the example and setting the pace and we want them to to be showing that the, the, they're different from the world they're separate from the world they're not just like everybody else in the world and it's very disappointing when Christian leaders let us down uh, again we can always disappoint people but you know when we cross those lines where we're lying or being duplicitous in some way where um, we're, we're cheating we're cutting corners then all bets are off people can't trust what we have to say we're supposed to be different and, and we got to have integrity as leaders even in the smallest of matters because if if we can't be trusted in the small things how's anybody going to trust us in the big things right so yeah that's if you don't have integrity you don't have anything doesn't it seem like nowadays though there is with with church leaders and christian leaders there's people fall into sin and fall into scandals and fall into all the it seems like it's it's happening every day yeah i hear about it all the time and it's it's very discouraging to hear how many christian leaders uh like wow they really put on a good show right but there was something else going on behind the scenes we didn't see so I, I look at those guys and think, yeah, there's, there's plenty of them, but there's still way more Christian leaders with integrity. I think people you'll never know by name because they're, you know, they're humble. They're, they're not like real flashy celebrity showmen. Um, they're not like exciting communicators, but they're the kind of leaders you want to follow because they're teaching the truth. They have good hearts. They have integrity. Um, these are the kind of people that I think we ought to be looking to. So it's a small minority that we're hearing about all the scandals. And I, so we don't hear about the majority that are out there saving lives. And, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. All right, so this, this question I get a lot when, I, when I'm doing Bible classes, Paul appeals to the testimony of our conscience. Now, everybody knows what a testimony is. Everybody knows the conscience. But what is a testimony of the conscience? Well, again, people can, can trust us only so far as they've seen what's going on, right? They, they know us by our actions. And so, look, sometimes as leaders we'll make honest mistakes we'll make miscalculations all right we we own that we don't minimize it we say I blew it but you know I'm going to do better so at least you know I'm trying to do the right thing that that's when I have a clear conscience like oh man I, I messed up but I have a clear conscience you can't see that you don't necessarily know that but you cannot you cannot really be deceptive and have a clear conscience now of course if we're talking about your conscience you have to have a well-informed conscience it can't just be very true and you know don't distrust your conscience, right? It's got to be informed by Scripture. But um, it it's hurts when people misunderstand what we say or do. And you, you can't do anything about that. 
you can just try to explain yourself and say, you know what, doing the best I can. I'm going to continue to do as the Lord is leading me. I've got a clear conscience before God. And Paul says, Look, I've, I've treated you with simplicity, with sincerity. That is, I have been open. I have been transparent with you. I don't have any ulterior motives or hidden agenda. I'm not hiding anything from you. I, again, I'm not a showman. I'm, I'm not some uh, con man. I'm not trying to manipulate you with a lot of propaganda and feel-good hype and with the values of this messed up world and rebellion against God. Uh, I am trying to follow God's word. So you can't, you, can't, you can't change what other people think. All you can do is explain it and say, look, I'm, I'm not doing this for my own benefit. I'm doing this for yours. And you, get, you let the chips fall where they may because you trust the Lord to, to vouch for your character. Right. I think so many times people, people think just because we face one way and they face the other that, that we're supposed to be perfect and we're far from that. You know, we, we make mistakes every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that part about uh, the conscience, you know, I think um, you've got these leaders out there who they, they don't have a good conscience because they know they're being duplicitous, they're lying, they're, they're hedging, they're fudging the, the language, they're being vague. Um, like when it comes to the Bible, they'll talk about the Bible is my authority and we should do what the Bible says, but really they're not following the Bible because they, they do pick and choose, you know, the parts that they like or agree with they'll reject the rest. The parts that they don't like or agree with, they, they'll revise it. They'll do all this revisionism. They'll rewrite Bible, the Bible. And I yeah. see this going on all the time where they're not teaching what the Bible says. They're, they're filtering it through what they want it to say. Even when it comes to something as important as the resurrection. Uh, you know, pe- preachers will get up on Easter and talk about the resurrection of Jesus. And we think, oh yeah, that's great. Uh, but what they actually mean by that is not that Jesus bodily rose from the dead, what scripture says. They just mean, well, the spirit of Jesus is still here and he's kind of alive around us and all that. And they're, they're just cons because they know the people are taking their language one way, but they mean it another. And, and I think that's why Paul says, really mean what you say right yeah. don't don't hide behind vague language like you just yeah. said right jesus told it like it was paul told it like it was we should be able to do that because god is trustworthy we should be trustworthy so when he says on the day of our lord jesus you will boast of us and we will boast in you what does that mean well you know what you know what the lord's day is his second coming second. when he comes back yeah so the big finale when we're standing before the lord and uh you know, everything is very open at that point. There's no longer any need for doubt or suspicion. And so we'll know. And Paul says, on that day, I want you to be able to say, Paul was a good man, a godly man. He was a, he was a, a godly teacher. So I want you to be able to boast about me on that day. That's a whole new level of integrity, right? Don't take my word for it. Let, it, let him speak for me. Let her speak for me. Let, you know. Sometimes we pray, Lord, let the truth come out. Just let the truth come out. Sometimes we have to push back and explain ourselves, defend ourselves, but more often than not, we say, Lord, let the truth come out one day, for sure, it will. Yeah. All right, 15 through 18 says, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. While I was vasculating, when I wanted to do this, do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no, at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. So this is a source of of the charge against Paul, right? Paul was supposed to visit them 
And, and I don't know that scripture actually tells us why he didn't. But why, do we know why he didn't visit him? Well, well, we'll get into that a little bit more next week where he explains himself more. But yeah, he had every intention of visiting with them. But uh, he said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to because I don't think it's going to turn out the way I'd like it to. Uh, so that, that gave an opening to his critics to say, see, see, Paul, he's indecisive, he's unreliable. Uh, but Paul was changing course for their, for their good, not his own. He said, the first time I came to you, it was an experience of grace. Good, I want to come back. You can have a second experience of grace. But he thought, it's not going to go down that way. So um, he says, look, uh, I, I want to come back when it's going to work out. So I wanted to, but... So I think one of the things that you've always taught us, um, especially as elders, is you always look at the best in people, right? Assume I, the best. I, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've typed an email out of anger and then hit backspace or hit delete or delete it or put it on hold. Or yeah, you say, never, never. Chris, can you read this? <laughs> <laughs> never send that email. You know, let let it wait for a day or two to make but sure. But you've had that happen, right? Where you had the best yeah. of intentions and decided maybe this wasn't the best course of action, right? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you have to make an audible, you know, and as the elders, we've, we've done had it a to, lot. Yeah, we've had to change course because sometimes we have to remain flexible for the good of the people, uh, which sometimes might make us look bad in a sense, but do we just stubbornly hang on to doing it that way even though it's not working or do we change plans and we boy we saw that a lot this past year with COVID, yeah, COVID churches all over the nation is like what do we do you know all these churches and leaders are trying to make these calls and the the situation would change and so we got to change our plans and it looks like you're being indecisive but really you're just trying to figure out the best course trying of to action. make the best decision yeah. but boy leaders often got criticized for that when they're trying to do what's right for the church, but it's, it's often difficult to know that. Uh, for, around here, for example, when the whole COVID thing, we stopped our uh, Saturday service, right? Which, why? Well, because there was hardly anybody there anymore. And, you know, it was pretty much just the volunteers. So should we keep doing it stubbornly just because we've been doing it for a few years? No, we stopped it. And who knows? It may come back one day. It may be a Sunday night service. We got to focus on Sunday morning right now. More than, more than those other things, but we, people need to know why we make those decisions. It's not just, oh, we don't want to do Saturday anymore. Yeah, and one of the things that I really appreciate about the leadership here is we, we've had some pretty hefty discussions with a lot of, a lot of opinions, a lot of, a lot of emotion, a lot of, and we always come out of that having each other's backs, and it's one of those things where you know, we're doing what we, we believe God wants yeah. us to do, but there's, you know, even with COVID and Saturday night, there's a lot of emotion there, right? Sure. I think, and you've been involved in this a lot too, with groups. It feels like yeah. <laughs> we, we're doing groups a certain way, and then we, we discover a better way to do it. Right. Or at least right. we think it's always, a better always way. Always changing. Yeah. So we're always changing groups, and there's a criticism. Why, why are you always changing the things? Well, because we think here's a better way. Or do we just keep on doing it the way we're doing it, even though it's not working too well? So, look, absolutely call out leaders when there's a lack of integrity. You know, you, you come and take us down a notch if we're doing something that's genuinely not right, but be cautious about people's motives and intentions because they may be trying to do the right thing and that requires some flexibility sometimes. Yeah. So what does Paul mean when he says, when he's saying yes and no? I mean, there's a lot of yes and no's there. Yeah, well, he says right there, I'm concerned about you think I'm vacillating. All right, hold on. Am I the only one that doesn't understand what vacillating means? <laughs> All right, can you tell us what vacillating means? That's the stuff you put on your chest when you're having a, a cold, right? 
<laughs> yes. I had to look it up. I didn't know what it meant. Just, just, you're going back and forth, right? You, you, you're, you're indecisive. Okay. So, you know, they're saying, well, Paul says yes, but he really means no. Or Paul said no, and it really means yes. And Jesus in Matthew 5 says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? You shouldn't have to take oaths and swear. Oh, I promise, I swear, uh, because that means people can't count on your character. You've got bad character if you have to add to just saying yes or no. So, yeah, the, the critics of Paul were saying, see, Paul, Paul doesn't mean what he says. He said he was going to be here, and he's not. Where is he? He's not here. We are. He doesn't care about you. We care about you, so listen to us instead. And like, no, Paul sincerely wanted to be there. He wasn't going back and forth on this. He just had a better thought that said, you know what? I'm not, I think it's better if I don't show up. But you need to know I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. And we do that all the time. I, I, well, I hope we don't do it all the time. But you've probably done this where... You, you tell somebody you're going to do something or you intended to do something. Like, you know what? I, I intended to come to your party, and you really didn't. You're you know, not going. You weren't going to go. Or, uh, you know, I, I was going to visit you in the hospital, and you completely forgot about them. You weren't going to go. I meant to call you, but you didn't. You didn't mean that at all. Uh, you're just trying to make yourself look good. I was going to show up at church, but... But, but what? But you're a liar. That's what it is. You lied. Didn't, you, you ain't yeah, going. you didn't mean to. You weren't going to show up. So Paul is saying, look, I'm going to fulfill my commitments. You can count on me. Are you somebody that can, can be counted on? And if you can't be counted on, if you have to change plans, is there a good reason for it? I think about people volunteering, like to serve in some way. Maybe they're, they're going to serve in kids' ministry, and they say, I'll be there Sunday. And then they don't show and up. And they don't show up. And it's so frustrating because they're unreliable now if they have a good reason that's fine right. call your leader up and say you know what? i'm not going to be able to make it uh, you know family sick whatever okay understand but don't just you know say yes and mean no i think that's one of the reasons why when somebody asks me to pray for them i'll, I'll turn around and pray right then and there because if i don't i'll forget you yeah. know yeah. i don't want to be the the one that doesn't do what he said he was going to do that's right and, and so it all comes back to god is faithful so we should be faithful too so it sounds like Paul made a promise to them. Is he not keeping it? Well, no, not really. I mean, you read the passage, and he doesn't say, I promised or I guaranteed anything. He said, I wanted to. That was my desire, but I, I thought better of it. And um, I, I think we have to learn to be flexible like that and say, if the Lord wills, right? That's in James 4. Don't, don't talk about, well, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Or go there the next day. He says, temper that by saying, if the Lord wills. And in Indiana, where I grew up, it's if Lord willing and the cricks don't rise, right? Any, anybody heard yeah? that? Three. Three All right. <laughs> I don't really know what it means. I guess, you know, <laughs> you're even hedging your bet with the Lord wills, but the crick rose, so I can't do it. It means the fishing's better. And, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, it's the thing where you're saying, well, maybe the Lord doesn't will it. And so the point is it's always better not to make a promise than to make it and break it. Right? Be a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. If you say I'm going to be there, be there. So it's not really the promise. It's, it's your, your integrity should speak for itself and you shouldn't have to promise, right? Absolutely. You know, like I'll, if you say you're going to be there at a certain time, you should be able to believe you should be, Of course, we live down river and there's trains, <laughs> right? So you say I'm going to be there, but the train delays you. Okay, we all get that. That's a good reason. But let's be honest. Sometimes you were already running late, and you used the train as an, excuse, an excuse, right? Anybody? Yeah, the train was on. Y'all lying? Come on. There you go. 
yeah, so let your yes be yes and your no be no. Lord willing. All right, 19, 19 through 20 says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Paul turns the focus now on Jesus, right? That he wasn't always yes and he wasn't always no, but or he wasn't yes and no, he was always yes. A lot of people read that to interpret that you ask Jesus and whatever you ask for, you're going to get. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> but no, he, he's not saying that. Um, he's saying that all that God has actually promised he will make good on and he he has said yes to his promises in Jesus like he promised the Messiah and there, Jesus is the yes he promised salvation forgiveness eternal life Jesus is the yes to all that uh, so because of Christ we we get a yes we and we we can amen that right we can say yes I agree that's what amen is like I agree I uh, I'm on board with that Lord not not what I will but what you will not what I want what you want Amen to that. I'm on board with it because I know you will make good on it. I think that's one of the reasons I love a good study Bible because it lets you know what those, who those promises are to, right? Yeah. Who, who they're writing this to. Yeah, because I think a lot of times we'll look at the Bible and we'll take everything in there as a personal promise. Right, right. And it's like, okay, God, you promised. Why didn't you do it? Well, was that promise really to you or was that to Abraham or was that to David? Or the nation of Israel. Or, or Israel, or... yeah. Um, so you, you take into account, was that really something that I should take as a promise? And is it, a, is it a conditional? Because when we pray, God says he'll answer our prayers, but there are conditions to it. Not just you're going to get a yes to whatever you pray. Are you praying according to the Lord's will? Are you praying in faith? Are you praying in obedience? Are you praying in Jesus' name? Well, you know, you got to make sure you're on board with all that to, to get a yes. And even then, it may not be in the Lord's will. You think it is, but... He's got a different timetable. So yeah. you got to be, okay, Lord, what, what you will, not what I will. You know, I'm going through the Old Testament now. I'm going through all the different kings and, and how some of them were just as wicked as wicked could be. But when they turned and they humbled themselves and they turned to God and prayed and they, and they had that, that heartfelt, even back then, yeah. things turned around, you know? Yeah, God would, would change the answer to their prayers based on the conditions, right? Like you yeah. said, if you're, yeah. if you're obedient, then. And they weren't obedient, but then they got obedient, yeah. right? Okay. All right, 21 and 22 says that it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. What does it mean when it says that he establishes us and anoints us? I know what anoints us, but when you put these two together, yeah. it's kind of weird. Well, we're established as his people that uh, God did this. He put us together. He made us all team Jesus, right? Yeah. We're the church. We're the, the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We're the temple of the spirit. And the Spirit is actually indwelling us to verify that we belong to Him. I mean, the idea of, of an anointing, you know, the, the Spirit, the, the anointing was a symbol of the Spirit in the Old Testament. You know, when somebody would be set aside for a work, and the three offices. Priest, prophet, and king. Yeah, those were the three main things where they would pour olive oil on them to designate, anoint them. This is somebody that not only belongs to God, but is doing God's work. They are empowered by the Spirit to do that work. And in fact, Jesus comes to us as the Messiah, which literally is the anointed one because he fulfills those three offices. He is the perfect prophet, priest, and king, the ultimate. And 
as the anointed one, he anoints us through his spirit to show that we belong to him, that we are empowered to serve him and to represent him. And there was nothing special about the olive oil, right? It was symbolic. Right, yeah, yeah. To, to symbolize really the Holy Spirit who also acts as a seal. So what is the seal all about? Seal. Well, um, think about uh, the imagery from ancient times when a king would have an, a signet ring, he'd have his insignia on it, and they'd take a document, roll it up, and put some warm wax on it, and then he would stamp his insignia on it to seal it. You couldn't open the letter because it was the genuine document. It was not a forgery. This was from the king. It is valuable. It is verified. It is protected. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit acts upon us as a seal. He, he comes upon our lives to verify that we belong to the Lord, that we're not a forgery. We're the real deal, genuine, and we, we're valuable to God, and we're protected by God. In fact, it's, the word for it, he's a guarantee, is can also be translated as a deposit or a pledge. Think about you make a purchase and you put a down payment on it. You're for, you're, you pledge some money to say, okay, I'm going to get this later, but this is mine. The Holy Spirit acts that way in terms of what is to come for us. Like the Spirit indwells us to show that, we, yes, we belong to God. And we've got a foretaste. We've got a down payment, a pledge of the blessings of salvation and eternal life, but we're not there yet. But it's coming. Yeah, it, right. it was a down Jesus purchased us, and the Spirit is the down payment on the final inheritance. Like, like a retirement package. Okay, yeah. That's a, that's so, a, so there's a direct correlation between that seal and, and our assurance of salvation. Yeah, you, you should never have to worry about whether or not you're saved. You don't say, well, you know, are you saved? I hope so. You know, are you going to heaven? I think so. No, as a Christian, you know because you are sealed you have the pledge of the holy spirit there's the evidence there's the fruit of christ likeness in your life so um I yeah, never, you should lay your head on your pillow at night and not have to worry if i die before i wake the lord my soul will take there you, go. you know i never really understood that until until i actually got saved you know people say yeah we know and i never really got how can you how can you know yeah. and then when i truly got saved i, I got it right and what did the old school preachers say? You know, I, I know that I, I know, know that I know that I know. Yeah. I know now. I, and I know that you know. You know? Let's move on. <laughs> uh, 23, 24. Okay, good. But I called God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. For, your stand, for you stand firm in your faith. Paul reveals his, his reason for, for not visiting him. It was to, it was to spare them. Yeah. We don't think of Paul as being tough, right? Spare him of what? Well, I, yeah, physically he was not very intimidating, but he's an apostle who can do miracles. He's got all the authority of Christ. So yeah, he said, I want to spare you from what we're going to see is what probably would be a, a very negative experience. You know, it, it's, the last time he went there, it turned out to be a negative thing where it was a messed up dysfunctional church and he had to confront them and deal with it and he didn't want to have to do that again I, I guess he wants to give them some time to come to the to get themselves right yeah yeah uh, all right repent so that i don't have to come to you this way again uh but he could have he had every right to show up and you know lay down the law and that's the way some leaders operate right we again i talked about those scandals earlier how 
it's disappointing these Christian leaders let us down. It's not just financial or sexual scandals. It's, sometimes they're just mean people. These leaders are bullies, and uh, they, they get away with it because they intimidate people in their church. They belittle them. They berate them. They, uh, they, they call them names, all, all kinds of stuff where they're, they're not leading by example. They're leading by force, you know, by... It's when somebody leads us in a humble way that we feel freer to actually follow their example. It's like Jesus said to his disciples, I don't want you to lead like the rest of the world. I don't want you to lord it over people like the, the non-believers do. I want you to lead humbly. I, I want you to, to be a servant. And I think when we lead that way, like Paul did, it's easier to follow. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off on this. In the meantime, I'm going to communicate with you via letter. And uh, he's commending them. Uh, he's, uh, he, he believes in them. He's affirming you're going to get this right. God is my witness no matter what anybody else says because I would rather work with you for your joy. It always amazes me. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And see, it, it always amazes me how things that happened thousands of years ago are happening to us today. It's, yeah. it's the same exact thing. Yeah. They're, they're just happening to Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, we want, we want the best for you. So... Stand firm in your faith. All right, the band's out here, so we got to Brings wrap us it back up. to our big idea: make your words <laughs> trustworthy. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, you can always count on what God says. You know, uh, so make sure people can count on your word as well. Because if they can't believe what you have to say, if they can't trust you, then they're not going to listen to your message. And you've got the best message of all: you've got the life-saving gospel, the good news of Jesus that He came to this earth to die for you, to forgive you of your sins. To, to cleanse you, fill you with his spirit, take you to heaven, so that you have all these yes answers. Like, God, can, can I be right with you? Yes, in Jesus. God, uh, can you forgive me for everything I've ever done? Yes, in Jesus. God, can I go to heaven? Yes, because of Jesus. That's the good news, is, is all these yeses come through Jesus. Listen, if you don't know that you're saved and you want to change that, we can help you with that. We just... After the service, find somebody up front. Text one of the numbers on the screen. Shoot us an email. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. We would love an opportunity to change that relationship, help you change that. You are ready for baptism. You are ready for, to join the church. You just need somebody to pray with you. Find somebody after the service. They'll be up front. We would love an opportunity to help you. I guarantee you, man, it changed my life. It would be the best decision you ever made. Absolutely. I hope you will say yes to Jesus today. All right, so let's stand and let's sing about that together.